What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast, coming at you on a Friday, uh, the day after the Knicks have started the second half of their schedule with a game last night against the Milwaukee Bucks um, that you are not going to hear um, about on this podcast because <laughs> we recorded this conversation um, earlier on Thursday as I am recording this intro about an hour before the Knicks tip off against the Bucks in Milwaukee. Um, if you want to hear post-game thoughts on that, just check your podcast stream, uh, check the KFS YouTube channel, anywhere you get our content and you'll see my live stream after the game talking all about it. But for right now, I have a very, very, very special conversation with someone um, that I have long admired um, as a content creator. Very excited uh, that they have a new podcast out, something that um, I have uh, become a fan of uh, very, very quickly. Um, One of the hosts of the brand new Spinsters podcast, Haley O'Shaughnessy, joins me. Um, We have a conversation about all kinds of things about podcasting, uh, media, content creation. Obviously, we talk about the Knicks a lot, Tibbs, this season, Julius Randle, um, and then finish up with some general uh, NBA stuff. So I think you're really going to enjoy this. If you ever um, read her stuff or listened to her on The Ringer, you're you're going to really, I think, um, not only enjoy this conversation, but enjoy her podcast, which, again, Spencer's Pod. Um, go check that out. And um, also another very quick plug before I get to that conversation with Haley, um, the producer of this show, Andrew Claudio, uh, many of you know, also has had a podcast of his own called Final Score that he's been doing for, um, gosh, I guess um, over the course of the last year. I don't know exactly when it is. I'm sure he'll yell at me for not remembering exactly, but he's been doing it for a while. It's been awesome. Um, And um, he is hanging it up for the moment. Um, And the reason I bring that up is he's ending that podcast at 100 episodes, and he was kind enough to have me on as his guest for the 100th and, and final episode of Final Score. Uh, that episode is going to air uh, or uh, hit your hit your stream or whatever whatever you want to say on Sunday. Um, so be out on the look be a look on the lookout for that. Um, we don't talk Knicks. Full disclosure, we actually talk a lot about um, me, which was a little weird, but also uh, I'm not going to lie, somewhat enjoyable because I don't I don't know I don't really ever um, think about 
how I ended up here um, doing this too much. And he, of course, tries to get to the bottom of that. So if you're interested in the men behind the scenes of uh, Nick's Film School, check out the final episode of Final Score uh, hosted by, uh, again, the producer of this podcast, Andrew Claudio. Um, It's a really... Nice conversation. So, uh, again, that's hitting on Sunday. But for right now, I hope you enjoy my conversation with one of the hosts of Spinster's Pod, Haley O'Shaughnessy. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, someone um, I'm honored to have on, uh, someone I have long been a fan of, um, and someone who uh, has uh, made some waves recently with a much-needed podcast um, entrant into the podcast field. It's a crowded field, but when a good one comes along, I mean, it's just it's worth celebrating. I think that's the best way to say it. So um, happy to welcome uh, to the program of the Spinsters Pod on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, Haley O'Shaughnessy. How you doing? That, you were just too kind. First of all, thank you so much. I'm not kind enough. I, no, yeah, that was All definitely very, very nice. Uh, I'm doing wonderful. Yeah, I'm doing wonderful. I was just uh, telling you guys before the show began that I have a new puppy. So that's bringing me a ton of happiness. She's very sweet. So I'm doing great. How new? I, we, didn't, we didn't get to that part. Well, I was visiting my mom for a long time and we had her there, but she, I just came back to L.A. And so she's new to L.A. Okay. Um, so kind of been an adjustment. It's like she's new all over again. I mean, you know, we were talking about my new daughter. We, you know, we took her out of the house for the first time the other day. She's making all kinds of faces. I mean, this it's new and exciting for all all parties here. Gonna say your newborn daughter is a little bit more of a commitment than I shouldn't be mentioning the dog. But yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, they both, they eat, they emit, you know, things. Um, not that big of a difference, uh, other, you know, it's just, you, and you have to look after them. It is what it is. Um, but we're not here to talk about dogs or babies. We're here to talk about the NBA. Um, actually first we're, we're if it's all right, I want to talk a little bit about you because, um, I meant what I said before. I, I am a huge fan of yours, um, and have been for, for some time. And, um, it's because, uh, what's the best way to put this? There's so many takes out there on the NBA. And when you find someone um, that gives a unique perspective that they are not afraid to give, um, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you're just kind of nicer about your coverage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, it's a, it's the way you have presented your podcast. It's like, it's just things that you say, it. it's things that make you happy about the NBA. So Let's start here. Where, where did that come from or how long have you have you kind of been that way? Like, that's how you wanted to cover the sport. Well, um, you know, I definitely have also been critical of of the league as a whole, but I just I've always felt that people are unusually harsh on players when maybe like the owners should get more criticism. Uh, and also basketball has been a constant through my life of something that I have enjoyed and getting to cover it has been such a wonderful thing. I'm reminded by my friends daily who are, you know, in offices that they are so envious of what I get to do every day. And especially with the things that Blue Wire supported making spinsters and really just kind of getting to do this weird thing of exploring 
the the parts of it that I maybe are a little bit niche, but I've always been curious about. And I think there's so much more to cover than just what happens on the court. Although that as well is, you know, obviously the the main component of why I love it so much. So I, I guess it comes from there. I just appreciate getting to do this every day. Um, but, you know, I think there's so much more to basketball than maybe is usually talked about and, and sports as a whole, but that's something excites me so much to explore. Um, so it's funny you say that. Cause I was going to comment on how, um, am I allowed to bring up where you used to work? Oh, uh, of course. No, I yeah. like, I, I've been saying this since I left the ringer. It's, it changed. It changed and developed me so much. I'm so grateful for, everyone who helped me along the way to come up with, you know, to, to encourage me to have these nuanced discussions about sports and explore the weird and the unusual. Um, and the, the fact that basketball, I think informs society and vice versa. So I have nothing but love for the ringer and, you know, I'd still support their stuff and read it every day. And the people there are so wonderful. So absolutely. I'm nothing but grateful. Okay, cool. I'm making sure. Um, When I first, like I was talking about this with Andrew before, when I first wrote my very first blog, I think if you asked me at that time, however many years ago, like what's your goal ultimately, I think it probably would have been actually then it probably would have been right for Grantland. And then eventually the ringer came. Um, and now that I'm, I'm doing this and I'm more cognizant of like content creation, um, I look around and it, it, it feels that the talking points are often so consolidated and that everybody's kind of going with the same story. And what I was going to say that the, the ringer is something like the ring or like ESPN, even it's like a gift and a curse, right? Because you, they set the tone. And so when you just brought up a minute ago, like kind of niche things, your specific take, I, you know. I feel like that's so needed sometimes because for as much as there's like a thousand podcasts out there, I don't get the sense that too many people are doing those niche takes in a way that's actually good and entertaining. So did, did you feel like a specific, like there is a need for what you guys are, um, you know, you and Jordan are doing with this podcast? Well, first of all, I, those podcasts and, and that coverage is so necessary, but it is, what I think is it's saturated, but the people who do it the best, I want to shout out, you know, people like Nikias Duncan and dishes and dimes podcast. They gave, they give great analysis and I learned so much from them. And, you know, I also, I, I need that in my life. We need that in basketball coverage, but what I am hoping is that this provides something uh, different, maybe le- less analytical, but also just talking about the things that interest me. Um, so I'm hoping it's necessary. That's the best that that's the bet that we are taking with it. But yeah, the again, the the weird, the different, the old stories, the new stories, you know, history is one of my favorite things. Um, so hopefully it is needed. I hope that <laughs> your prediction, what you're saying is correct. No, I mean, I, listen, um, I'm addicted already. Like I was just listening before you guys were, were having the and again, referencing, I have these conversations, I have this conversation with Andrew earlier, like is Blake Griffin a hall of famer? Like that's, you know, interesting little, interesting little talking point. And ultimately you just want to hear, you want to be a part of these conversations with people you like. And, um, 
you guys are both likable. So that, you know, you're extraordinarily <laughs> likable. So that's, that's how, man, how much did blue Iron pay you before this to be so kind? <laughs> I mean, I haven't checked my, I haven't checked my mailbox yet. Maybe there's a check waiting there. Um, so something else you do when you, you made a point on the first show to say this is you're not just going to cover the NBA. Um, you're going to cover the WNBA as well. And like, you know, obviously all, all basketball men's women's um, is, so you guys are, you, you, you're, you gals, you people, you are two women doing a podcast. Guys is fine. I, you know, guys, guys is you great. Know, guys, um, force I have it. Um, be, and it, that's a perfect entryway because this is mostly a space where men dominate and it's so needed. And I'm almost like, I, I was listening to your first episode. I'm like, why did it take two female podcast hosts to come along and be committed to talking about the WNBA, more people should be doing this. Does it, is there a part that's like, it bothers you that this is not, you know, getting covered, you know, equally with the NBA and that it kind of took you two to come along and be like, no, it's a basketball podcast. We're going to talk about basketball, including, you know, everybody who plays it. Maybe not bothers as much as just we we see a gap. And anytime you see a gap, that's like, you know, people who are super successful in, in this industry. Zach Lowe's one of them, who's again another podcast that I seek out regularly that's, you know, gives the analytics, the more traditional maybe um, breakdowns that, you know, I appreciate so much. Um, maybe it's just like we see a gap and that's what people who are successful tend to give as advice, you know, mm. pursue the gaps. But it's more that I think it is helpful and enjoyable, but helpful in the way that there are so many comparisons we make in the NBA. You know, who does this player remind us of? And mm. what is this situation like? What What is this trade and what could be the impact? And we look at history and we say, oh, it could be this. But there are potentials for comparisons to the WNBA and just yeah. basketball in general and the reverse. And so it's not only something that we're interested in, you know, Jordan is a huge fan and I've enjoyed being by her side and learning more about the game uh, and the players and the reputations and all the things that I love, you know, learning about teams, but it's also something where we're broadening. I hope the, the NBA experience in general, um, and the basketball experience, because there's so much to love about the W. So that, that's kind of where, where we decided not to focus on it as something where we just want to prop it up as, you know, we're really yeah. trying to help women's sports. I genuinely think it's something that should be covered just because it is informative and again, enjoyable. So well, that's exactly it's less like we want to support and more yeah. like we're fucking interested. So, <laughs> I mean, Zach talks about it all the time. His favorite player ever is arguably, you know, Diana Taurasi and who's, you know, obviously female star. So I, yeah, I, I mean, it. you love, if you love like the, the spicy players, the player, everyone's like, Oh, Jordan. And you know, the, the shit talking and everyone loves that so much. And the confidence I'm like, you would love her. You'd absolutely <laughs> love her. And so there is, there is so much to love. And I, I honestly feel bad for people who aren't open to it because you would really enjoy it. Yeah. I, um, I'm after all this is over, I can't wait to, uh, to take my, my older daughter who's, you know, she'll be, I guess she'll be five by the time we're oh, it's like kind of safe to go back into WNBA games. Um, and like see this stuff. Cause like, I just, you know, 
I want her so badly to, to be into this, you know? Like, yeah. And something you know, I talk about a lot is that, you know, there's a huge, I think now people acknowledge that it, people are too hard on, on women trying to be sports fans because, you know, the, there's obviously always the quizzing and how much do you really know? And I've always said that there's really no criteria to be a sports fan, but we're not often given the same chance that little boys are where our uh, parents, you know, talk to us about the game and encourage us to watch with them or even play. And so that's, you know, it, it is a disadvantage, but when you become interested in something, you're interested in it. And the earlier on that that happens, I think the better chance that we give women, but also it's, it's always nice. And this crosses over to far more than sports to feel like you could see yourself doing it. So the more that the, the little girls, and little boys again, because maybe you identify with just a personality more yeah. or, you know, they're the way that they play on the court. It's, you know, I kind of hope that that opportunity opens up for kids like boys or girls. Yeah, it, it would be it would be great if um, two female podcast hosts came along and had a podcast about basketball. And, like, <laughs> it's two female podcast hosts talking about basketball. Wasn't one of the talking points. It's just like, Hey, there's just new awesome basketball podcast, but we still live in a world where it isn't, it's, you know, part of the discourse. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, again, that's why I appreciate Jordan so much because she often draws these comparisons and she often pushes the boundaries of, the NBA, the WNBA can inform the NBA. And we actually have in the future, like a a feature, we have a contributor working on a piece for us where we are talking about, I don't want to spoil it, but just something that, you know, something that the NBA can, can learn from the the WNBA. And I kind of hope as a league that that also continues to be something they're open to. Well, I think they could learn a lot. um, Cause I like you am, am, you know, I'm, I, it's okay to be critical of the league because um, they don't you, look. Get it right. If you love something, it's it's a sign if you're critical of it that it's how much you love it. Yeah, because you know if you didn't care, you didn't care. Quick break to talk about something very cool from our friends at Brooklyn. And as you may or may not know, my wife and I just had a baby. And let me tell you, there has never been a time in our lives when we valued sleep more than we do right now. You know what is important to getting good sleep is your sheets. And I know myself when I'm like just ready to cuddle up and I'm like, I just need a good night's sleep or a good nap. I'm a big nap guy, as as you may know. If like I don't have that good pair of sheets, I'm just I'm just not going to enjoy it. Life is too short to sleep with anything less than the best sheets. And if you want to get the very best, trust me, go check out Brooklinen. So Brooklinen started by Rich and Vicky. They've also tried to find beautiful home essentials that don't cost an arm and a leg. And so they founded this bedding company. They work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the markups. They have a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, materials to fit your needs and tastes. And best of all, they have over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. I think if you order some Brooklyn and Sheets, you may add your five-star review to that number because they also have a 365-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not satisfied, you can just send it back. And Brooklyn, of course, is so much more than sheets, comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear, you name it. 
Go to brooklinen.com, use promo code FILMSCHOOL to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more, plus free shipping. That is B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code FILMSCHOOL, that's F-I-L-M-S-C-H-O-O-L, to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more, plus free shipping. One more time, brooklinen.com, use promo code FILMSCHOOL. Trust me, you will be happy you did. Let's talk a little bit about the Knicks, um, because you um, you have talked about the Knicks on, on this podcast. You've talked about the Knicks in the past. Um, I, is there any place to start other than Tom Thibodeau? I mean, no, I mean, it's it's such a joy for me. I've like tweeted a lot lately this season with the Premier League that uh, Bielsa reminds me of him a lot. And <laughs> that, which doesn't make sense to a lot of people. And I agree because it's not a direct one to one comparison. But he his obsession with the game is something I've always enjoyed with coaches. And, you know, when Tibbs is good, the NBA is better and the narratives are more fun. Well, it's funny you say that because that's often what's said about the Knicks, right? Is like when the Knicks are good, the NBA is better. And now here's Tibbs and Tibbs is back. Um, it's it's funny. There's this, you talk about being obsessed. There's now a, a little bit of a running joke between the the beat um, writers in New York and, and Tibbs about like uh, that he was going to be in Turks and Caicos for this all-star break. And he was going to go, you know, just sit on the beach because of course Tibbs would sit on the beach and relax during the middle of the season. Nah, he's drawing X's and O's in the sand. <laughs> yeah. Um, it like, is he just, I don't, I'm trying to think of like, is there another, cause I feel like we don't have as many coaches anymore with these kind of outsized personalities that are almost like caricatures of themselves, especially here in New York. Like if I could be blunt, like Jeff Hornacek, Jeff Hornacek was fucking boring. Putting aside that he was maybe not, you know, the best coach. He was just like, you know, he was there. You know, we had we had a couple other guys. Mike Mike D'Antoni's nice, but like Tibbs is. I just I feel so honored every time I get to listen to the man talk. Like, isn't he, he just? He's a oh no, it's it's definitely so fun. Um, and I think that there's a trend that I I definitely do support, which there are more like quote unquote player coaches now, and you know they yeah. try to I think empathize a little bit and take not take on the weird like dad figure, which is such a problem in sports, especially college sports. But I, again, like, I don't think Thibodeau's the opposite of that. I don't think he's completely the old school coach who uh, screams and dictates. Like he definitely does yell, but I think it, it's kind yes. of out of just passion for the game and not like disdain for his players or thinking that he's better. So yes, I, I love his outsized, per, outsized personality. And I agree that some coaches are kind of boring. So yeah. Um, but, yeah. but he's, he's doing this. Actually, Julius Randall said, use the word soft in talking about Tibbs. Um, and I love the term soft. I, I, I've never thought that it's an insult. I think it's a wonderful no, it's thing refreshing. to be soft. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 and I like the fact that Tibbs is kind of softening up because I, and you guys have talked about this, you know, on your pod, like, the shelf life you just come to expect that it's going to be so short. And if he doesn't kind of start to, I, I don't like seeing how this season has gone for the Knicks from afar. Do you feel like, I mean, obviously Julius Randall, I don't know if he's first in the league in minutes or close to first. Do you think that this could actually last um, with Tibbs here in charge? Well, so that's, you know, knowing that we were going to talk about him, obviously, um, because of the subject of your podcast, um, I I was going to ask you how you felt about him coming to New York, because having followed the Wolves very intimately before him and then, you know, during his time, which helped see what he 
improved and kind of damaged with their yeah. team. Um, you know, I wrote down all of the concerns that I had before he was hired. And I, I don't think that they all cross over, which is a good sign for his longevity. The minutes, however, was top of the list. And because that directly translates to injuries, which directly translates to not being the best team that you can be. Yeah. Uh, so that is a concern for sure. The other ones that I wrote down was, you know, they drafted Chris Dunn. Every time that Chris made a mistake, he wasn't allowed to play through it. Thibodeau took him out. So I think that really hurt Chris Dunn. But I don't think that that applies today. Look at quickly. And you. I, I hope yeah. you disagree with me on some of these things and, or correct me if you feel like I'm wrong. But I don't think that he has shown that. Um, and maybe that's just that he believes more in these players, which is, again, a wonderful sign for or Nick's drafting. More, or he's more desperate because there's just not a lot of, there's not as much talent on this team. Like the thing with quickly so far this season and I do like live streams after the game, after every game, after if, if it's a game where quickly, it doesn't, you know, if he plays 12, 13, 14 minutes, it doesn't matter how he played. People are usually like, why to quickly only play 12, 13 minutes. And I feel like tips this season, at least if quickly's rolling, He'll leave him out there. And those are the games we've seen where he plays like 25, 30 minutes. If he's struggling, he takes him out, which for me, that's fine. I don't, you know, it's like you're trying to win games. You have a real chance at, at the playoffs. And I I go ahead and say that, but I, which is why I understand that. And that was not true with the wolves that season. They were completely like, okay, this this season season, we need to absolutely just focus on developing our players. Winning, going to the playoffs is not even in the picture. So I do understand that more. And I'm glad that what you said about him being able to, to stay in when he is playing well, I I do think that that's a, a wonderful sign. There are definitely coaches who like, even when players are obviously deserving of more minutes they don't give them to them which is is odd for me um i think about michael porter jr last year before you know pre that was perplexing from it was afar. weird yeah I don't, and, you know i don't watch a whole lot of denver but like seeing that dude just and and i feel like it's enough of a talking point that like you hear it outside of just the denver media right yeah and there are some obviously like another thing that i feel strongly about is that coaches Yes, they're perplexing to us, but maybe they have their reasons and they're far more qualified than me, obviously, to be making those choices. But there are certain things where I'm just like, this is kind of egregious. Like we've seen what he's doing. He could absolutely help in this game, in this situation. So that was uh, one that was very confusing to me. Can I ask, do you struggle with that? Because I do. Because I, again, when I talk to Nick fans, they're like, why are you being so deferential? Like, he he's a coach. He could make mistakes. I'm like, but he's a head coach in the NBA. He must be eminently more qualified to make these decisions than me. He must, but I don't, I go back and forth on this. Like, you know, our, our right to critique almost as fans, as content creators, it's like, I, I don't know where to draw the line, you know? Yeah. And I think it just needs context. Um, there are some that there are some front offices that have proven that the scouts that they rely on to make these drafting decisions ultimately turn out good enough in, yeah. in three or four years. And sometimes that's something that scouts identify, um, you know, from the ones that I've talked to is that this will be a, a long-term investment, but we see this certain potential and th- that's their job. Um, yeah. So I think as NBA fans, we're definitely impatient uh, and that can hurt us when we're trying to, you know, play head coach or, or GM, but there is a line and yeah. with examples like 
MPJ, like that's definitely for me was the line. <laughs> yeah, but we so the other the flip side of the coin here at least is like we had Kevin Knox who was given carte blanche to just go out there and play. I don't know if you watch. Did you do you remember Look, Kevin Knox's rookie? Was kind of well, <laughs> speaking so of coaches again, who you question, I'm like he. But you know, it's, I think a theme with the Knicks that's fair enough. And you brought this up with Thibodeau is desperation. I think yeah. some of those lineups came from desperation. Uh, he's extremely smart. We we've seen that um, with yeah. his assistant coaching roles. And again, maybe there's something to that or or he'd hoped that there was something to that but i think a lot of nick's coaches have felt that desperation so i can't entirely blame him but there were some bizarre decisions there for sure yeah it was and it like comparing that and then like frank nilakina also there were moments where fans were like why is he not playing more i just i don't think that there's any hard and fast rule that you could make about like okay you you have a rookie, your team is supposed to be this good. And therefore you must play this rookie, this many minutes. It's like, that's when you get into problems. And I feel like the nice thing about Tibbs is he's a coach that from my vantage point, at least I could sit here as a, as someone who is a fan of this team. Like I trust him. I trust that he knows what is for the best. It doesn't mean he actually does. Certainly not, but he's earned my trust. I'll say that. Well, you know, I think that's fair. And that, that brings me back to the the my list of concerns. Yeah, when keep he going. I'm originally curious. got hired is that uh, defense was one of them, and alienating young guys was another one. And he's proven that he is not always the the guy who coached the Wolves, and he can yeah. be, you know, who he was the majority of his time with the Bulls and with the Wolves. The strong side defense seemed outdated or at least inappropriate because they didn't have the guys to run it and you know, it's a three point shooting league. Now it made it less effective. So I was definitely worried about defense, especially, you know, I think a lot of coaches like rest on the fact that they changed something once that their, the schemes were revolutionary once. Um, and so they, yeah. you know, Perry Stotts comes to mind, like the, the defense, the drop back defense has obviously like was, hurt yeah. them for years. I was about to say, but, how's Portland been doing defensively for? Yeah, exactly. Years? But I mean, hello, backward defense and you're a really good defensive rebounding team. So I think that he should be given that credit. And, you know, again, with like making lineup decisions and minutes decisions, that's another thing where you say, okay, we should just kind of trust him because this has worked out for us so far. And also with alienating young guys completely I haven't seen a single sign of that this year. And if anything, they've been very inspired. What turned the wolves for sure. And I can say this confidently was the massive amount of minutes and the load that they were forced to carry. So some of that is front office, give him guys who can back up the other, the starters competently. But uh, you know, a lot of it is like he failed to recognize that these players were burnt out that it was being detrimental. And so that's a decision that I'm, you know, curious to see if as the latter half of the season plays out, is that something that's going to continue? Everyone's tired. I'm tired. You guys are tired, you know, so I can't imagine what the players, what's going on with them, which I think is another thing that I, I wish NBA fans practiced a little more is that there are people just like us and yeah, we're super tired. So of course they are this year as well. It's it's a it's probably a good transition to because um, the guy who would is 
most likely to be tired and said, I think during his all-star interview when they, or after the game, somebody asked him if he minded, if he only played 13 minutes, (laughs) Julius Randall was like, hell no, (laughs) I'm cool with it. Um, You know, we had a game, the game, I think it was uh, right before the break where they were like up 15 or 20 points on the Pistons and like three minutes to go and Julius Randall's out there on the court. And like, that's one of those times where you're looking at on the sideline at Tibbs and be like, okay, we're going to, is this really, yeah, we're going to finish the game out with this, with this lineup. Um, so, you know, I will say uh, because I, I definitely was close to a lot of people who were close to Wolves players at the time that sometimes that's not completely just the coach's decision guys for good reason if they are having a good season or even if it's in their contract as an incentive they want to reach certain sat points especially if the teams that they're playing are um easy to put those well, stats up against well so julius randall just got a million bucks for making the all-star team so right you know. so i i, I <laughs> do <laughs> kind of think maybe there might be some um asks that we don't hear about but yeah. Yeah, at some point you're a coach, you probably should draw the line and maybe we should go back and watch those games and say like, was he at a double double? Was he close to, you know, even a triple double? Is he trying to get his assists up? That's been like the the biggest improvement for me um, has been his eagerness to share the ball and to play make. And that's, you know, been the thing I think he's most complimented on for his transformation. So, you know, I can... I could see that. I definitely like, I don't have stats. I don't know what my equivalent to that is, but like, you know, it it feels (laughs) nice to be publicly applauded for something, especially if it's that measurable and everyone can see it every night. If you're seeing people say nice things about you, I think you probably want that continued. Well, I'm happy you use the word transformation because um, I was looking at his, his basketball reference page, Julius Randall's the other day. And I was looking at like the per 36 numbers. And I'm like, it's funny. They're really, you know, other than the assists, which are, which are up, you know, really not that different, even, you know, the three point shooting, obviously, but it's, it makes me happy that someone who covers the NBA generally and, and um, can realize like realizes this, lit- this is a transformation. This is a different player. Um, and that's really, really cool because I think it means a lot to him, especially since he's come out recently and talked about how last year was such a disappointment for him personally, um, how he came here and like, I get maybe tried to take on too much or just didn't like figure out a way to balance it. Um, I, I just, I, fans have asked me, he's like, people are like, what, what's the comparison to this? And I don't have a great answer for it. Cause I don't know this, that this happens very often in the NBA. No, and and with stats, I think people a lot of the times try to compare the jumps, and I I don't love when people do that because there's always context involved. Is yeah. there another player who on the team who um, you are being a better teammate? You are doing what's right for the team to give them more opportunities. You know, it's I just think there's a lot of context that's anno- uh, ignored. But I was thinking about this. I actually think you know if we go recent history, we're not comparing positions necessarily or like influence on team or we are comparing just influence on team and not stats um particularly another former laker brandon ingram comes to mind like just in terms of massive jumps that kind of surprised people because maybe we pegged them as a certain type of player pascal siakam's growth alongside Kwai comes to mind but that's a little bit different because julius randall has kind of done this on his own which just makes it more impressive but i don't 
I wish I didn't find it more surprising because I don't think it's fair. I don't think we let NBA players grow up. We don't give them that allowance. And what happens to us between 21 and 26? I mean, <laughs> we become less selfish. We start to oh consider God. others more. We take on yeah. more responsibility. I mean, I'm 27 and I just am now only feeling ready to get a dog and take care of a dog, um, which I did. And again, very cute. But Randall is 26. So no wonder yeah. he's suddenly wanting to pass more and thinking of others and seeming capable of truly helping facilitate and run an offense. You grow up and I wish we gave NBA players the chance to. Yeah. And like, you know, it's funny. We were talking about my, I I have another kid now, like uh, Julius has not been bashful about putting his um, son out, out there and like how he plays basketball and even something like that. Like, you know, your priorities change when you go through life events, right? Like you've, you know, you just came over to blue wire. Like, you know, I, I had a kid, like all these things I, I, and it makes me think back to what you said before, you know, we forget these, these people are, are people a lot of the time, you know, and like lives and stress and, you know, all kinds of, of things outside. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and he had to come to a new city, a new place, expectations, the whole thing last season. And like, if you look at his career, it's funny you bring up Ingram and Siakam, like, he was on a somewhat steady increase of production until last season. And that's when it fell off. So really, if you look at what's happening now, maybe if you just kind of take last season out of it and like give him an asterisk and like, okay, let's just skip over that. It's not, maybe it's not that crazy. You're, you're right about that. Well, and the other thing is that you go to New York and it's a wonderful fan base. Like it really is. You guys are so passionate. No, but really. Say like, what you're going to say. No, you're just, good, uh, you, you're good you, to your, you're, you you put a lot of hope in your players. Like That's even the draft, you guys come around and you're like, okay, like Frank, 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 for years, you guys have been saying Frank, Mitchell Robinson, like you're very supportive. So I can see wanting to do well by Knicks fans. And it's also a lot of pressure. Like, and there was all the making fun of like all the forwards who, who uh, were signed. And that. so, you know, I, I, they see that they see the teasing, they see the the articles in the NBA group think on Twitter. And I, I also think we're, we're pretty dismissive of adjustments, adjustment time. Uh, and also like, yeah. you know, are we setting them up to be successful? I don't think last year he was. And then, Thibodeau can obviously make a difference, which is a pleasant surprise again, after his wolves tenure. Yeah. No. And he, and, and just the whole mindset of the organization changed, which is, you know, nice too, but all the credit to, I, I it's, I have to bring this up because you just remind me of this. I get critical of New York Nick fans and it, it's, it's, you know, especially the last, like, you know, covering games a little bit last year, like you, you know, you see behind the curtain a little bit, like I got into a lot of trouble with people when, um, so they re-signed Alfred Payton, right. This summer, $5 million. And people were just killed the move. And I came out on Twitter. I'm like, it's the guy wasn't bad last year. You just signed him one year, $5 million. Like maybe it's time. And, and given how people are reacting, maybe it's time we look ourselves in the mirror and like, why, why maybe don't, players always want to come and deal with this and people just absolutely absolutely killed me for it and they should have because it was not the right time and honestly it was maybe not the right player to do that about um but i don't know i mean i don't i don't know that i really disagree with that that the timing lined up with uh 
Kevin Durant and Kyrie. I was like, God, I just had to think. I'm like, what year are we in? Is this like 2025? I have no idea. Well, that was so last season they signed him initially, and then fast forward to they re signed him essentially. They did they uh let him go in free agency and then they re-signed him in like the span of a couple of days so yeah we had had a year experience of Alfred Payton and he wasn't terrible he just can't shoot you know so that's why I was like you know. giving allowance to say there's a stage you have to go through which is saying okay people we have to accept that people don't want to come here right now so let's say you have to kind of take bets on the guys who were fine and hope yeah. that they build a team into a somewhere that people want to go. And that's just part of the process. Continuity. Sometimes teams have to go through this yeah. stage. Yeah. And I think the jazz are a good example. Um, oh, they're the best they, example in the league. If they keep yeah. this up, you know, I often like make fun of that's kind of the last place anybody wants to go, but <laughs> If if you if you build a culture strong enough, not only will players come, but more important for somewhere like Utah, and this might not be as important for the Knicks in the future. Players want to resign, so when you get someone who has taken a chance on you, you you know you get to to keep them. They're still interested, and that's one of the things that I think the Knicks have definitely struggled with. So I don't know that your criticisms of that were unfounded. Well, I appreciate you. I, I, whether you whether you're lying or not, I appreciate you saying as much. As I felt really. I still I still go back to that, and I'm like, eh, was it the right thing to say or not? But I'm. It was honest, so you know. It Man, is criticisms uh, are on things you write and say are tough. Like I definitely agree with that. But you know, I, I do think that Randall felt a lot of pressure to please New York and New York fans, and I do honestly believe. I'll tell you from my blue wire experience, I felt nothing but super strong support the entire time. And it makes you want to this project you're taking on. It makes you want to do super, super well and put a lot of pressure on yourself, you know, obviously. So I can relate, although his is such a far more public journey. And there's so many more Knicks fans that are like looking (laughs) at him and saying like, please do well. And, you know, also I think with a fan base like this, you're desperate for someone to believe in. So that's a lot of pressure. I understand why it took him a bit to adjust. Yeah, the the, the expectations are high. Um, it's funny we we collectively as fans will talk about how terrible we're going to be in a given year, and then they go out and they'll like lose a game in like some form or fashion, and the the reaction to that will be such that you would think that. They didn't like these are different people than the ones that were like, you know, um, we're going to be bad. It's like there's still an expectation once you get into the game that like things will go well. And I think that's to a certain extent every fan base. But there's just more Nick fans than I mean, maybe what the Lakers, if that. Um, And, they're you know, we're we're a loud, angry bunch. Usually I'm not too angry. I shouldn't say that. I'm a fairly nice nice person. Um, But do you so people are happy right now with this team? Um, from your perspective, kind of outside looking in, do you feel like it's justified? You feel like the Knicks are, you know, kind of on the right track? Yeah. To me, why not? I hate unnecessary cynicism in all aspects of life. There's so much we can't help but be cynical about today and need to be cynical about. I mean, I'm sorry to get a little bit political on your podcast, but we're just now getting the second stimulus, but you know, (laughs) sports are such a wonderful happiness 
in my life and in many people's life, I enjoy the Knicks. What's it matter if the playoffs are a maybe? You have a maybe for the first time in so long. You have a roster that suggests real cohesion. Tibbs has flipped defensive erasure basically into a culture that cares enough to get back on fast breaks. So, I mean, and those are all eye test things. And I recognize that because of the way NBA fandom has trended, people want more assurance today, but there, there are good signs there too. The Knicks are second overall in defensive rating. Um, still second. Yeah. Yeah. Even if there's, there's dips the second half of the season, like again, there's, there are total reasonable, excusable reasons for, for dips for any team this season because of the way life is. But yeah, I mean, you have a, you definitely, I think have a future and it's okay to believe that. And you also legitimately have a present too. So I hope that Knicks fans are relishing in that the ultimate thing as a sports fan is to accept that a good thing can disappear in off season from now, but that doesn't mean you can't love and enjoy what's happening right now. It, it's I for me, it's hard to accept that the good thing is happening because it's just that's what's been conditioned in me. Well, if you get burned, I can also see if you get burned before and you're like, OK, I've had hope before. It's kind of hard to to let that into your life. But yeah, yeah. I, I would encourage you to if you can. Because- I'm going I'm trying. Like I'm, We're recording this on uh, Thursday. They're they're going to play the Bucks in in three hours. And like my wife asked me before, she's like, you excited about the game tonight? And I'm, I give her like a. Yeah, I'm excited. We're in Milwaukee. You know, we'll see what happens. And it's just because you're you, that's it's just been a lot of years where. But there's even there moral wins are real to me. And, you know, they're like I'm, legitimate. Yeah, and so sure. or, I mean, moral. No, it's it's moral yeah, moral, wins. Vic- moral, it. wins. Yeah, moral, moral wins is the expression. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, man, I'm awake before this podcast for once. And I'm like, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm tired. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's I think that even those are a good sign. And again, the playoffs are a maybe. And but that's fine. You know, the Bucks are really good and they do have flaws. So even for part of the time, taking advantage of those flaws, I think, is a win for me. But again, I'm not a Knicks fan. So if you're listening to this right now and you're rolling your eyes, I understand. <laughs> I do not think anybody should be rolling their eyes. Um, so before I let you go, uh, because you do pay a lot of attention to the league as a whole, I'm just curious personally, you know, what are you most excited about for the rest of the season? Give me like whatever, two, three things that you're just really looking forward to seeing how like either storylines develop, seeing what happens with certain teams, certain players, awards, like anything, anything that you're into. Yeah. Um, the Suns, uh, for sure. The in-between teams, I'm not just like pandering to you right now, but the definitely the Knicks and the Hornets. I love watching the Hornets, the jazz. Is it sustainable? Can they have a major glow up in the playoffs? Like the nuggets did last season. That was exhilarating. And I guess that comparison actually doesn't work because the Jazz are a super strong regular season team, but they haven't been known to really hold on to that yet. Um, it's, but It's funny you say that because I actually would be more surprised if the Jazz broke into the conference finals this year than I think I was about Denver last year, just because I think that highly of Jokic. Not that I don't think highly of Donovan Mitchell. But like Jokic is just such a special. Well, the surprise to me was Jamal Murray. That will, you know, and he was I really mean, their story. So flame shooting of his, his butt for however. Yeah. Oh, God, it was so fun. I absolutely loved it. But um, yeah, 
those I also I love when random teams do well. Like the Miami Heat obviously have a history with success, but them breaking through was so fun to me. The NBA was like, fuck. <laughs> you know, they were like, God, <laughs> I wish it was the Celtics because of that, uh, you know, historic rivalry. I'm like, you guys need to just figure out your marketing because that was the most fun team ever. It was bought versus grow, you know, grown team. Um, I, I loved that. And I would love the jazz. I would love the Knicks and Hornets to have a play in game. And I would love the Suns to make it far. There's, I love that. Um, so that's just me personally, but yeah, th- that's what I'm excited about. Before we go to, I have a game for you. A game for me? Yeah. I like games. Okay. I, I knew we were going to talk about Timudo. I suspected that. So I actually have collected some quotes of his since he's such a fun quote and also oh my ridiculous. And I want, there's three of them. Okay. And I want you to tell me which ones he said and which ones I made up. Oh, goodness gracious. Oh, this is going to be good. I'm going to look bad on my own podcast, but it's, it's good. No, no, no. Many of these are before the next. Well, okay. many. there's That's only fine. three. Okay. okay. So this first one's from his time with the wolves. And this was when Zach Levine was injured. So they asked Tibbs, how do you make sure Levine still feels a part of things when he's out with his injury? And Tibbs said, yell at him daily. <laughs> so, okay. So uh, let me go, let me go through okay. and then you can. Yeah. So there, that's the first one. Okay. The second one, this was his response to Jimmy Butler asking for a trade also during the wolves tenure quote. Mm-hmm. I know he loves living here. <laughs> He's so ridiculous. And the third one, this is after the Knicks saying him happy birthday. And he, had oh, that yeah. win on his birthday, I think, over the Celt- with the, the Celtics. Quote, yeah, for, yeah. I'm never happy unless I'm miserable. So I have to pick the the one that's fake or the one that's real? Just any that you think are fake. Well, the, the, the happy, miserable one I know is real. I should have known that was too easy. I, th- it, I had to throw you a softball. It's made its way onto a T-shirt. That's the only shut up. Yeah. Send me the link. I need the link to that. I I don't, I don't have the link. I just have, I've seen him with, there's a picture floating around of Emmanuel quickly wearing the t-shirt. Actually, if if anyone can find that for me, please send it. That's wonderful. I may actually have it because if I recall, now that I'm thinking about it, somebody may have reached out to me with some kind of like, whatever. Um, Okay. So that's real. Um, I think the Levine thing is real. I'm pretty sure that's real. I do not think he said that about Jimmy Butler. He likes living here. They're all real. <laughs> he said he actually said that that Jimmy Butler enjoyed living yes. in Minnesota. He loved that Jimmy was so like fired up. He was like, "This is great!" Like he loved that. So yes, I tricked you on your own podcast, but they're all real. I, well, first of all, I'm easily duped, so don't feel too good about yourself. I'm just throwing that right out there. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Um, the, I'm trying to think what the latest one is. Oh yeah. Anytime anybody asks him about anything remotely involving like free agency or trades or anything, he just keeps saying that's a, that's the question for Leon, Leon Rose. Um, and Leon Rose has given all of one, one interview since he's been hired and it was to Mike Breen on MSG where no reporters could ask him questions. So I think maybe that's that maybe I'll make that into a T a t-shirt. That's the question for Leon. That might sell. 
We'll see. Yeah, yeah, that that definitely would. All, any of the ones where he's like, "No, I'm never satisfied. I'm never happy." Those are my favorite ones because it's, it'll be like a wonderful moment. And he's like, "Ah, eh, I don't care. I'm not happy unless I'm miserable." So, God, I just I want to see him win a championship as a head coach. Obviously, he won one as the Celtics assistant coach. But I do have coach. that picture of him smiling like really big, saved on my phone. So, oh, do you? Oh, I also the, enjoy it. Yeah, like the silly grin. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Um, <laughs> this has been great. I could talk to you about the NBA for hours, but you have other things that you have to do. Um, would you just be so kind as to remind folks one more time um, in case they are living under a rock uh, where they could find you and your and your wonderful podcast and other stuff? You can find Spinsters and subscribe, please, on Apple Podcast, um, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter for more extremely milk toast um, takes uh, at Haley o- o- something. I almost said my real last name. What? How tired am I? At Haley o- something, which is a username I made because people can't find my last name. It's impossible to spell. I don't think it's that hard. I mean, I don't know. Maybe because. Well, people misspell my last name, which is yeah, five. I mean, letters. I can, I can see that. Yeah, it's it's, but it is nonetheless annoying. Um, and I'll give you one more. How about in addition to subscribing to Haley's podcast, you give and and um and what's the other thing? Give it a rating. Give it a, a positive review, right? Because that's what you're, you're so supposed to five star. And it, as Andrew holds up the five fingers, um, I'm yeah. gonna. Hey, look, if you just think it's pretty mild, I will take that feedback, you know, give it a no. <laughs> there's Andrew's somebody, shaking his head. He's like, don't say that. But I just want to know, you know, it's, <laughs> if you don't like it. Well, OK, if you don't like it, email me and tell me how you would like it better. And as long as you're not emailing me like a dick pic or something, that's, like, you know, I would love the email. No dick pics. Um, there's someone who we have a YouTube channel, too, that within like a half an hour of um, put, regardless of what we put up, there's always two thumbs downs. It's oh. like clockwork. And I just, I want to find out who the people are just so I get like, it's like a guy who hated you in middle school. That's who it is. It's, it's like, a, you I mean, probably like dated has- his girlfriend and he was like, God, I'm going to get back at him for the rest of his life. Don't, don't worry about it. Oh man. You just got me thinking of if there's like any exes, that have that reason to dislike me. I thought I, I, there's a lot of reasons I could imagine people disliking me. That is not one oh, whatever. I'm sure that's not true, but that's, that should make you feel better because I'm sure that they're, you know, there's, it's just somebody with an insane lifelong. I mean, I just, so. I want to congratulate them because that takes dedication to every time somebody posts something to just go on there and like clockwork. I'm going to give it my thumbs down. If you're um, out there, Brandon, and I know your <laughs> name is Brandon. Stop. Give it up. Like if you why. dated Debbie, when you guys were in seventh grade, it's don't, you know, let it go. The, the go fact to, that you just use Debbie is, is it, that's an inside joke that I'm going to share with some friends. As soon as I get done with this, I'm going to send the text. Um, this, okay. Now we're, we've gone out as I do inevitably on my own podcast. Thank you, Haley, so much. Um, please everybody go check out uh, Spencer's pod. Uh, it's, it's really good. <laughs> um, I'm not just saying that cause you're on here. Um, I'm an avid listener already. It's just nice to hear some more people talk about basketball um, who you want to spend time with. And that is what it is. So uh, check that out. Subscribe, rate, review. Feel free to subscribe, rate, review our podcast. And um, am I forget anything? Hopefully not. We'll be back with you with another episode very soon. 